Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. You're listening to episode 27 of Fatalists, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl. My name is Dave, and sitting across the table, as always, ready to rip into this week's episode. Welcome, Wayne. Welcome indeed, Dave. Good to be back. How are you this wonderful week? Well, I think we're both uh, basking in the afterglow of the Ravens' AFC title victory. We are absolutely basking. That game was awesome. Maybe not if you're from the very northeast corner of the United States, but probably for pretty much everybody else, yeah, uh, it except, was pretty sweet. Except for a certain actress that uh, plays Kiara Cameron on Continuum. Yeah, I, I hear that uh, that uh, that Rachel Nichols is a pretty big Pats fan, and so she, I imagine she's gotten over it. You yeah. Know, well, now. you know what, and, and I really do think it's pretty cool how passionate she is. You know, she's always you know, posting Instagram pictures on her Twitter with her and her, you know, Patriots gear and with her friends watching the game. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta love that. Yeah. She's, she's passionate about our team. That's cool. We're passionate about our team. Yep. That just happened to be quite a bit better last yep. night. So two weeks and, uh, our second trip to the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's very exciting. This is my oldest was only three months old, uh, the first time back in, uh, 2001. So, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of like, excited about you know the kind of the i don't know how you go about verisimilitude or something about it and i I will look at this because the orioles won the world series in 1970 which i'll give up it was the year that i was born and then they won again in 83 which was um slightly older than my son is now he's 12 and actually i was 12 when they when they won the world series so he's 12 now you know see see i'm saying here yeah he's one when he was just a little guy and then they uh is this your prediction for so tonight? This, my my prediction for the, the the night is that the Ravens will win the World Series. The Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> the World Series. The Super Bowl. But you know, I I believe that no matter what. I well, think it's gonna be a great game. Well that's exciting. Yeah, and, and to be thirteen, I mean he's gotta be just psyched. You know, I I went to Dick's sporting goods today because I had to buy some socks because all my socks have holes in them. Um and you know, the first thing I see are these tables full of Ravens hats. Uh, T-shirts with the AFC Championship you know, logo, yeah. and you know when I was paying, you know I just said to the girl, I said, "Oh, because you got a lot of Ravens uh, gear to sell these days." She goes, "Oh yeah, she, we opened at six o'clock this morning, and, and we were packed." She said, "In fact, we opened at midnight. We knew if they won, we were going to open at midnight till one, so people could come in and buy gear." That's crazy. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah, it's hardcore. But it's great. You know, uh, we have a little down near where I live, we have, there's a little sports memorabilia store that sells really awesome. You know, is that, you, I don't know if you've ever been there, uh, but you'd love it. It's not Jay's, is it? No, it's it's called Baltimore Sports and Memorabilia. I think okay. that's what it's called. There's a shout out for you guys. But it's a really awesome store. A little tiny store. Very, but, you know, um, and uh, we went there. Uh, we took the kids there when the Orioles got into the, the playoffs this year and Get some other stuff, and it was all kind. Of, you know, it's just it's such a kind of a tiny store in the first place. It was really cramped and crowded and everything. But if uh, anything you want, Baltimore, that's that's the place to go. But uh, we digress. So, but um, yeah, but yeah, it's uh, man, this is I'm super jacked. It's it's awesome. Well, we're super jacked on that, but uh, a little bittersweet with the end of Fringe. 
So what'd you think of the finale? Because, you know, you can't keep everybody happy and just think back to shows that, that we've seen recently, the finale for Lost, which, you know, was, very controversial, was, was, was pretty big deal. Uh, so what'd you think here? Loved it. Thought it was great. I thought it was just, you know, like it was <clears throat> not to toot my own horn, but I did totally call the end of that. And thing. I did post it. Yeah, you yeah. did post that. So, um, but, uh, so I was, I don't know if I was disappointed that it turned out like I thought it was. Cause then to me, maybe that was, but I think it just, it worked out well because they really did set it up in a, an artistic manner where, you know, you have the, the, when they showed in, I think it was episodes one and two of this season of Edda running to Peter but then before she gets to him, the invaders come and they lose her. And I just, I guess, I think they actually showed it maybe even three times. And after the third time, I'm like, okay, they keep repeating this. So there's got to be a reason. And I said, like, you know what? I bet you because then it's all going to work out in the end and, you know, she's going to make it to Peter. I actually had some doubts about myself. It was actually like Thursday. I almost even like emailed you just to say, I, I totally changed my theory, you know, because like, I went back and watched The Boy Must Live again. And uh, I totally changed it around, but I, I just forgot to actually do it. So then, you know, so it's almost like it worked out by default. Well, I'm so sitting there of... watching it, and I'm thinking, like, oh, Walter's going to take the boy through. Damn, Wayne was right. <laughs> and then September says, no, no, I'm going to take him through. Yeah. And, and, and you know, he's my son. He's my responsibility. You know, I need to, I'm like, ah, good. <laughs> and then, of course, it ends up uh, with yeah. Walter. But you know, is there going to be a movie? I don't know. Obviously, we hope there will be. Certainly, they left it open enough yep. that there could be. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they did it because they didn't kill Walter. You know, he's just went to the future. Uh, so there's obviously possibilities. There. I liked how they also pulled back in uh, the red verse, you know, with Olivia yeah. looking a little bit heavier. and But it was great to see her and, and Lincoln Lee again. Because even though we didn't like for Olivia at first, I think a lot of people really, by the by the time the they had to close off the universes, um, we liked her, maybe not as much as Olivia, but we really came to like uh, for Olivia a lot as a character. Right. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they both came to terms with what the other side did, that, you know, Walter didn't create a tear right. in the universe deliberately right. or, or maliciously. He right. did do it deliberately, but, yeah. but not. But he didn't do it. He, didn't, he, he did it not knowing the, uh, the ramifications of, of what he was doing. But yeah, and to see Lincoln Lee, who I uh, he was definitely quickly became one of my favorite characters mm -hmm. once he got on board in season four. Um, so yeah, it was just it was great because you know it's it's almost like this whole season was like a really kind of a fitting send off. A lot of shouts to past episodes and everything, um, and previous fringe cases, and then yeah, I just thought at the end it was a very satisfying ending. I thought, which is more than you can say really. A lot of people, I mean. I, I like the lost I, ending. I like the lost ending too, but I know there's a lot of people who despise it and hate it. And I, I don't think there's, I mean, there's haters everywhere and I haven't really seen, you know, gone on to, to see if what people are, are saying about fringe, but I would dare say that most people are pretty okay with it because I think everyone really wanted that kind of like that happy ending there. Yeah. Know? The other one I was trying to remember was the Battlestar Galactica ending, which I loved as well. Right. But that's like, I think, People universally like that one, right? That's not um, really some people didn't like yeah. that. Wow, that's crazy. Because that was that was when I saw that, I was like, that is probably the most perfect ending of a show I've ever seen. I mean, it just tied everything up, um, gave you a nice, warm, glow, happy feeling at the end. Like even though bad things have happened, it's going to be it's okay. And that's kind of like with Fringe, bad things have happened, but in the end, it's all okay. And 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 just the when Edda jumps into Peter's arms, you know, I got a little 
little soggy in the eye there oh, yeah. for a little bit, I have to admit. Um, but because uh, that was a very emotional moment. And that was just, I mean, when she died, it was just so upset. I was so angry when they killed her off. I was just so mad. And I don't know if this makes it all right, <laughs> but because it still was just very jarring and very upsetting thing to happen. But, uh, you know, it was, I, I loved it though. I now thought did, it was great. Now, it, did you read the article I, I sent to you? I put a link on the website. And, uh, you know, for any of the listeners, you know, it's, I know a lot of you that download the podcast through iTunes, maybe never even get to our website, but I've been putting some links to some articles up there recently. And there's one that appeared in Wired Magazine that... Oh, the, the Lost Girl. Oh, yes, I did read well, that. Well, no, not the Lost Girl one. That oh. is this the death of sci-fi television? And oh. it goes on to, to talk about just the, the fact that now with Fringe, that yes, while there are a number of supernatural shows like Lost Girl... Uh, like Supernatural, you know, still out there and doing well, the the hardcore science fiction seems to have gone by the wayside because, unfortunately, the viewer has to actually think and invest themselves somewhat intellectually, and, and apparently people don't want to do that. They're more expensive to produce, but it's really a good article that, that you know, go to the website, take a look at it. And, and then the, the really good sci-fi, thoughtful sci-fi shows that come along get put on hiatus for four months. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I saw there, what you had sent me. Uh, there was an article about uh, are they trying to kill revolution? Right. And I, the, didn't, I, I didn't have it in me to go read that. No. I can't. I don't want to read that. Well, article. I read it, and, and it really just reiterates what we've been saying for months. And I did want to also mention we – bash Fox quite a bit for their handling of some of our favorite shows. But in the case of Fringe, they really did it, uh, did it right and, you know, deserve, uh, yeah. you know, kudos for that. You know, there's, I'm not going to bring it up. There's things that we have issues with about Fox, but I will give them their due. What they did with Fringe is two thumbs up. And you know what, guys at Fox? Use this as a template for future shows. You know, like the, what you do with Fringe, um, yeah, a successful show. It's now in syndication. You were able to sell it to the Science Channel. You're making money on it. So, you know, there's other shows out there that, that can, you know, get the same consideration probably. Well, there's not any out there now. Right. But uh, there will be in the future probably. Now, speaking of other shows, have you watched anything else? Um, Have I watched everything? I'm trying to think. No, you know, uh, well, Arrow and uh, Supernatural came back this week. Arrow came back? Yeah. You didn't know that? No. Yeah. New episode of Arrow. It was it was really, really good. I and mean, both uh Supernatural and Arrow. For Super you know, I think maybe this is last time. I don't know. But I was a little sketchy on Supernatural at the beginning of season eight, but uh, you know, it, it came on strong and, and uh the last episodes have, have been really, really good. So uh you know, I'd like Castiel is uh, this angel that and whenever he, those are my favorite episodes with, with Castiel because he's right, well I'll have to go to Hulu man. or CW dot com and yeah, well, you, you have to wait probably a couple more days. Yeah, well, that's okay. I got. To... Uh, I'm plugging away at Andromeda. Started season two and and was a little uh, dismayed because the first episode was I thought a little weak, and then boom, they came right back. Episode two was was uh, killer. So that's about all I've had time for. Well, I also forgot to mention I have uh, Merlin season five has has started up as well, and they're like three episodes in. Oh, okay. That's, um, I've been watching that since uh, since it started showing in the states, which I think it's been in the states a couple like like I think season five ran in in the UK maybe even a couple years ago or at least a year ago or something well quite a while ago um, so but that's 
that was really cool. And I also did, I, and I think I told you about this as I went back with the Arrow rewatch. Um, so I'm watching the pilot again, and as Oliver is being safe from the island, he runs past this his campsite, and we see on a little stick is that the mask, the the half orange, half black mask, and you know you would never, know, I mean, you might notice it the first time you saw it, but you never remark upon it and but you go back and watch it after seeing half of you know season one also you're like whoa okay because there's a big bad guy on the island wearing that mask so it'll be interesting to see how that goes from being on the guy's head to being on oliver's uh, stick there um i'm trying to think i don't know i mean i i, I went and saw uh the hobbit oh in, you did yeah all right in uh in uh imax 3D and everything, which was pretty incredible. Though I have trouble, I think, processing sometimes, like all the images. Like you took your boys, I assume. Yeah, yeah, we took the boys. Uh, the wife went too, actually. And uh, you know, it's 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 great. It's such a, a rich, deep picture. But when the action starts going, sometimes it's, it's difficult for me to follow. Especially the screen is huge and and everything, and 3D as well. Uh, but it was cool. But uh, I. I think almost as much as seeing The Hobbit, I enjoyed seeing the first 10 minutes of the Star Trek movie, ah. which that looks like it's going to be incredible. That okay. was It was great. Like Both boys afterwards were like, we want to watch Star Trek. He's like, do you have the first one on, on, on DVD, Dad? Yeah. Well, you should uh, you know, yank their chains a little bit and put on the one from you know, the 1966 season. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I started trying to- like, Actually, that one doesn't even have Kirk in it yet. The actual pilot. The, for the pilot, right, yeah. right, because it starts off with Captain Pike. Right. Yeah, I actually started showing it one day, and they were like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. And I started watching. I'm like, wow, yeah, you like, know. It's Dad, just, we could make a set better than that. In yeah, the exactly. For, for modern sensibilities, they, they probably don't appreciate it. But, uh, you know, I think I am going to go back and, and rewatch those shows because I loved the Star Trek shows when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I saw them all in rerun and syndication, uh, but uh, – you know they were they were awesome, and I didn't think about things like that. But probably now I'd look at it with a different, more probably more critical eye, which is not fair. So, all right. Well, listen. Why don't we get to the news here before we lose? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Any more listeners? <laughs> all right. Now you and I have talked a lot about homages during the course of our discourse. So you'd have thought we would have watched the Lost Girls nod to Doctor Who with its Lost Girl Confidential season three pre-show. And you know what? We missed some pretty big news by not watching it as series star Anna Silk revealed that she is pregnant. Wow. I think you two, the two of us are like the last two Lost Girl fans to uh, know that. Now, her (laughs) multi-talented husband, Seth Cooperman, and and I say multi-talented, he's a musician, actor, you know, whatever. Married Anna Silk. And they plan to have the baby, a boy, in Los Angeles in early May. So it's going to be interesting to see if the writers have to work her pregnancy into the show or whether they'll try to conceal it or, you know, maybe it'll have no impact. Maybe now, that's why they have the whole, you know, obviously the baby thing with Lauren and Bo there, you know. Well, you know, yeah, good point. All right. So now the season three premiere. Now, you know, we haven't had to worry about numbers because, you know, uh, podcasting the first two seasons that were already in the books, so to speak. Yeah. So the season three premiere attracted 1.19 million viewers for a 0.5 share of the 18 to 49 demographic. Um, by comparison, Being Human registered 1.22 million the same night as Lost Girls lead in. Uh, but the problem lies for me in that shows like Here Comes Honey Boo Boo pulled in 2.19 million. So twice as many viewers. Frightening. 
Yeah. Well, you have to think also that the uh, – I mean, this is just the raw figures, right, without the yeah. plus seven and everything. Because right. especially as it's on a Monday night at 10 o'clock, you have to think there's a fair number of people that are DVRing that thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and sci-fi fantasy is huge time shifter. With Revolution, I mean, the numbers from just the raw you know, numbers to the plus seven numbers, it's like skyrockets, you yeah. know. Because it's on late. It's a 10 o'clock show during the week. People, you know, people really don't stay up to watch TV. Right. At and and that's what a lot of what kept Fringe on. Plus, um, the uh, executive vice president for Fox loved the show. But yeah, all right, always, now, that Mer- always helps. American Horror Story co-creator Ryan Murphy announced during a press conference screening of the season two finale that both Sarah Paulson and Evan Peters would return for season three. Now, Peters played a former serial killer named Tate, who was confined to the house that the Harmons bought in season one. This season, he plays Kit, a beleaguered good guy who was recently freed from Briarcliff, the institution for the insane, at the heart of season two. And Paulson played a medium during three episodes of season one, and Lana Winters, a writer committed to the asylum for being a lesbian. Now, as you might expect, details about next season's subtitle are few and far between, but he did confirm that it would be a modern-day story revolving around Jessica Lange. Quote, I always start off with things that I've always been obsessed with, Murphy said. That's the, uh, the season we're just about to do is another thing like that, asylum thing that I was always really interested in as a kid. I come up with the story, and it's obviously always now crafted around Jessica for the most part. Before I talk to anybody, I go to her and tell her what the story is and tell her what the character is, and she has input. So Paulson, Peters, and Lang will apparently end up appearing in all three seasons of the FX series, as Paulson had a minor role in the first year as a psychic named Billy who provided clues to what Asylum would ultimately be about. And these three may not be the only returnees. I will say for the, that for the season three, we're going to have some actors from season one who will return. I like that idea. I know that those actors are interested in that, he noted. All right. You're going to see a very different tone in season three. But that's the joy of the show, he added. I think as a person right now, I do feel lighter and wanting to embrace something a little bit more fun. So now, are you watching it? You uh, saw all of season I, one, I, right? I saw all of season one. And by the time I finished that, it was around Christmas time. And they're you know halfway through season two. So I'm basically probably going to have to wait till the DVD of season two comes out uh, to watch that. But uh, okay. yeah, you know, like I... As I've said before, you know, like it was a little leery because that pilot of season one is just so messed up. Uh, but it was actually a, a very good show. All right. I now, liked it. All right. Now, in one piece of news that I, I picked up, you know, literally as I was sitting at my desk looking out the window watching you drive down the road. So <laughs> I don't, I'm off the top of my head, but we've talked about the Doctor Who 50th anniversary. And apparently now Christopher Eccleston is in. Really? And that the idea is to have all 11 doctors appear in one episode. Now, obviously, one of the problem is that three of them are dead. So I'm sure through the magic of CGI, they'll work them in. But, you know, Eccleston, I guess some people say he left on less than uh, positive terms. But, you know. Well, I, I, I think he, uh, he came in saying, I'll do this one season and I'm done. Okay. So I think that was the understanding from right at first. But uh, certainly he has been at pains to uh, separate himself from the show. Not that I think he, he thinks it's a bad show. I think he just, I think the whole thing is 
his not wanting to be typecast and to just see everyone sees him as the doctor and that's yeah. just it till you know um and so fair enough i understand that but yeah. uh so i'm glad to hear that he's on board for it though though i saw that um a female ajiman would not be no i'm glad you brought that up because i didn't want to have to pronounce her name i think that's how it is uh, yeah and, and i didn't get that because you well, you probably read the same article i did in that it seems like her not being in it will allow david Tennant to be in it. yeah and, i was and like I, what's up with that yeah I, it's like i said so, so because she's not in it, now that means david Tennant might is like was there something between them? Yeah, something like, so I so, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But the, but apparently she's going to do press for the show. So okay. who knows? All right. Now, lastly, the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television's new Canadian Screen Awards that recognizes excellence in film, television, and digital media productions has released its nominees for 2013. Now, there's going to be a two-hour broadcast live Sunday, March 3rd at 8 p.m. on CBC. But a few of our shows got some nominees. So Best, Best Dramatic Series, Continuum, Simon Barry, Tom Rowe, Patrick Williams, uh, Lisa Richardson, Matthew O'Connor, Holly Redford, Jeff King. Uh, that's pretty exciting. Best Costume Design, Sanctuary for the episode Tempest, got a nod. Best Direction in a Dramatic Series, Continuum for Stitch in Time, which is the pilot. Pilot, right. Uh, best original music score for a series, Continuum, Stitch in Time. Uh, I should go back to the previous one. John Kassar was the director, and Jeff Dana did the music. Uh, best production design or art direction in a fiction program or series, Lost Girl, Something Wicked This Fay Comes, Ian nice. Brock. Best visual effects, Continuum, Stitch in Time, Adam Stern. Mike and I were fortunate enough to do an interview with Adam. Best writing in a dramatic series, Emily Andrus, nice. Lost Girl, Into the Dark, Emmy. but also Continuum, Stitch in Time, Simon Barry. Oh, they're uh, going locking. directly against each other. All right. Best Achievement in Casting, Lost Girl, uh, Lisa Parrison for Baromet's Trick Pressure. And then Best Performance by an Actress in a Featured Supporting Role in a Dramatic Program or Series, Cassini Solo, Solo nice. for the girl who fade with fire and truth or consequences. Yeah. So, yeah, a pretty. She's got. She's got to win it hands down. Well, you imagine. you would hope so, but who knows? Can't imagine who could be out there that could have done a better job than Cassini Solo. So, all right. Well, why don't we take a look at Project X? So, what do you got for us this week in the world of Fay? Okay. Well, first of all, Project X was unjustly accused. I think last time. Of, of uh, being overly long. Well, it was probably long. It was only eight minutes long. You made it sound like it was all 26 minutes long. And really, we just yammered on for about 16 of those minutes. So Project X was only eight minutes. So I just wanted to clear the air on that. But <laughs> okay. fair enough, though. I went back and listened to it. I like, probably could. So we have just two things really quickly I want to talk about. The first is uh, we're going to talk about alligators and sewers and the kind of urban legend uh, therein. And uh, so there's always, since... Uh, Pretty much, like I think the 1920s in New York, people started reporting seeing alligators in the sewers. And apparently, in the the mid 30s, uh, the city sent a guy down there, and he said, "Well, there actually are alligators in the sewers down here." But they went through in 1935 and got rid of all of them. They flushed them out and everything. So he came back to say distinctly, "There are no more alligators in the sewers." But yet, obviously, the stories continue. Um, but they were, you know, they were like, he said they were at most two feet long. So they weren't like the big giant uh, behemoths that we, we think of now. Uh, but part of one of the uh, things that, that has 
uh, evolved out of this uh, story is the idea that the alligators have grown huge and survived for years and years, and so therefore now have gone uh, blind and have turned into albino blind alligators living down there. And I only mention that because obviously it pertains to Atticus and, and right. um, in the episode there. So uh, so if you're living in New York City and you feel like taking a stroll in the sewers, you could probably do so without fear of alligators, though there's probably a bunch of other gross things down there. That uh, Right, and that's been kind of a somewhat of a staple of sci-fi horror uh, shows over the years. I, I think X-Files did some sort of, you know, I don't think they were alligators, but some sort of creatures living in the sewers. Sure, because I mean we, that's anything that we can't see that is, uh, we fear, right? Right. Everything, so it's uh, good, good things, good creepy things to have there. Okay, uh, moving on. Then we also the other thing I wanted to talk about was the Pied Piper uh, story, the Pied Piper of Hamlin. Uh, probably most people know this. Uh, the town is overrun with rats. Guy shows up, says, "I can cure your rat problem." You know, pay. They agree. There's some amount of money that's agreed upon with the mayor and the Pied Piper. Pied Piper plays his flute, leads all the rats out of town where they all drown. And the river comes back to get uh, to get paid, and he gets stiffed. He doesn't get paid the full amount. He doesn't get paid at all. So he says, "Oh, you know, I'll, I'll get you. I'll have my revenge." So he he comes back and he plays the pipes and leads all the children out of town. They disappear forever and ever. Um, so it's probably you know uh, something in reaction to a town suffering a large scale you know, pestilence or plague that killed a lot of kids or something like that is probably how the, the story came about. Uh, but what um, there, there are versions there where there's like three kids who, who don't uh, go with Pied Piper. And the one is deaf, and they can't hear it. The one is blind, so he can't see to walk. And the other kid is lame, so he can't catch up to them. And so I thought that that was kind of, you know, another kind of tie in there because of how, um, you know, the, 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 Again, the blindness factor uh, involved uh, with and and the the kids who are saved are those who who are blind, deaf, and, and lame. So it's it's in in the end of this episode we see that it's like uh, Atticus's um, blindness that makes him immune to the uh, the the, uh, the narrow what the, what's the guy's name the narrow man the thin man skinny man uh, Robert Hamlin, Slender Man, Slender Man, and yeah. and the one thing I did happen to notice is that, you know, his, the character's name was Robert Hamelin and it was the Pied Piper of Hamelin so that the town was right in Germany. Yes. There's that as, as, as well. Yes. Yeah. So, so but, that's it for project X. See? All, all See? right. Yeah. That you was, ask uh, and you shall receive. Succinct. <laughs> all right. Um, I don't really think we had any other, I mean the dream weaver and I was afraid that, you know, uh, uh, dream uh, weaver. He didn't even give me a chance to say, if you sing you Dreamweaver. Through the night. All right. Yeah, that's a pretty bad song. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to her and, and uh, during the course of the episode discussion. All right. So Subterfanian Faye. No, wait. Just Subterfanian. Yeah. Uh, episode two of season three. And, you know, I think we both well, liked it a lot. Written by Steve Cochran and directed by Steve DeMarco. And they've, we've seen them before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've done they're always... Good, really good ones that they yeah. do. Well, you know, if you recall last week, I was a little bit lukewarm on the season three premiere. Wayne, you liked it a lot better than I did. This was just awesome, this episode. It, it really, for me, resonated loudly in a lot of different areas. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I noticed, first of all, it seemed like, like we're establishing a lot of boundaries in this episode. And, and 
Can we talk about Lauren and Bo first? We we can because I mean it kind of starts with that way. So yeah, and uh, as Danielle, um, you know, told us earlier, say, I guess you and Wayne are going to like this episode a lot. Yeah, you know? <clears throat> and this is where you know because it's not you'd be you'd be lying to say that sometimes the sex on the show is gratuitous, right? Sometimes it's shows relationships, you know, and it's meant to be there, but sometimes it's like, you know, I, I call as example, the, uh, the major D and, and, uh, Bo and Ryan, uh, getting together. Like right. that was, you know, that was completely, you know, just but like, at, at one, I guess, really important level though, that it is a show about sex. True. And, you know, so, so, but, but, but a lot of times it is the kind of like the titillation factor is, is, probably the main rationale for having the sex scene in there. Um, and I don't quite think so. So Danielle's statements are, are somewhat unjust, maybe not entirely, but... Well, we'll uh, take it up with her next time. But, uh, yeah. But, but, uh, but, I mean, it's a relationship we've been waiting to see for probably a season and a half at least. So now that it's been consummated, you know, my question is, is their relationship doomed to fail? I mean, does it stand any chance of survival? Yeah, I really don't think it does, honestly. And I, I can't remember exactly why. I just remember thinking well, well, I mean, during for, the episode, there was something that made me think like, uh, you know, and it's not that I, I, I want it to fail, you know, it's like. No, no, they, the, we like both characters, yeah, obviously. Yeah, we like both characters. Um, they're, they're all right together and everything. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, I don't know. There's something that happened. It's just like, yeah, I, I just don't, I just don't, th- I, I think it kind of goes back to what I said last week. It's just that, you know, with the, uh, the, the kind of the sexual tensions that's still there though now less than, and maybe Ta- Tamsin comes in to kind of, uh, to give Dyson something to worry about rather than, you know, worrying about Bo all the time and, and creating tension there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't I don't well, necessarily I mean, you, see it. Well, see, I guess for me, on on the one hand, I started thinking like, all right, Bo's clearly going to be the dominant personality in this relationship, and she probably will be. Um, you know, obviously, one's Faye, one's human, but you know, we've learned during the course of two seasons that human Faye marriages, you know, have and you know, they do happen and they you know can be successful. But I guess what I see as being the the primary impediment is the fact that Lauren's basically a monogamous being. And as a succubus, how long is she going to be able to deal with the fact that Bo's got these other desires, which yeah. include being with men? True. That's, that's, that's actually well said. Yeah, that's- and I think, you know, certainly we know, you know, one man in particular that we're probably not done with and that Bo's probably not done with. Yeah, by no means is yeah. the relationship with with Dyson resolved at all. In fact, there's it's probably more questions about it now than there's ever been in, in all three seasons. But it's just they're kind of put on the back burner because Dyson is stepping back because he's, you know, he's wants a Bo to be happy. Yeah, yeah, yep. So, all right, what about Kenzie and Vex? <laughs> Man, I yeah. mean that that's you know. Or, that was not a team I expected to see open the open the show. Yeah, that was wild. That, you know, and it's funny. Because, well, just you know, like we said last week, just to see Vex again 
hang out with the light Faye and everything. It's it's weird that he hasn't. You know, he's like the guy, just like, hey, uh, when when you need to go home, man. You know, like I don't want him to go home. Don't get me wrong. I love how much Vex is in the show, uh, but you can see he's like, you know, is he, he's more than just a house guest. I mean, he's now he's running missions for the light Faye. Right, and is he the comic relief now? I mean, is he taking over? Yeah, role. Well, that's I mean, what we talked about last week. Yeah, that, uh, uh, um, no. And what's up with the sling? I mean, I wonder, did, did the actor hurt his arm in real life? I would have thought that. Well, I think they're just trying to show you it's still not very long after they fought the Garuda. And okay. He hurt his arm. Or he could be like uh, Draco Malfoy in uh, the second Harry Potter movie where he gets a minor injury. Or, or was it the third? I'm sorry, the third Harry Potter book, The Prisoner of Azkaban. He gets a... Uh, Minor injury that he plays up, and so he's uh, got his arm in the sling trying to get sympathy. Okay. So. Well, that's probably it, because don't they all have healing powers? I mean, Bo's not the only one. I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think Vex would have healing powers since he's, like, that's not his thing. Okay. Well, I mean, I did like the opening scene. You know, they go down to that, uh, you know, to the underground, you know, I don't know, is it performance art? Uh, they call it a walking tour. Right. Um, you know, so that that was pretty cool. And, and they do go to a lot of cool clubs. They they do. Well, I mean, they are, you know, pretty cool. You know, they're young, unmarried, you know. They tease their hair up and everything. I thought it was funny, the whole uh, thing, like, they would tell you you look like Robert Smith of the Cure. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, yeah, friend of mine. And Well, that, yeah, he, he suggested he killed the last person. Right, said that, right. you know. Or at least uh, dismembered them yeah. partly and that the prosthetic devices are yeah. We forget improving. that. You know, it's hard. It's, we, you know, like the thing that's that's kind of getting me now is that, we're kind of getting away for how dangerous Vex is. Yeah. Like, remember, like, in season one where he was, like, the most dangerous, scary bad guy we'd seen? And now he's, like, this, you know, ho, 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 my chum Vex who's so funny and everything. You right. forget that. He had a guy shove his own hand into a garbage disposal, right. you know? Well, now, when they when they go down there and one of the first people they encounter is the guy in the alligator suit who's <laughs> entirely harmless. Yeah. And you see Vex putting up his hand like he he does. Is he actually using his power to hold that guy back, or was he just was it just kind of one of those reaction things? Because then he pulls out the knife and puts it to his throat. And you, know, you love um, Kenzie's response. You know, Ixnay on the Erder man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very subtle little warning to Vex there, but. Uh, um... And I'm like, why was he afraid? You're Vex. You don't have to be afraid of any of it. Yeah. But yeah, but it, it seemed yeah there was something like where his yeah his power didn't work or quite I don't know what's going on maybe that's the whole reason why he's hanging out with uh, you know Bo and Kenzie because his power know, has yeah. waned oh. maybe oh. maybe all right now all right establishing boundaries Dyson's got a new partner oh but there were there were two things that first of all okay. I don't know if last week but Paul Amos has made the opening credits. Oh yeah, I did see that. You see that? I don't yeah. know if that if that was. I, I should go back and and rewatch uh, episode one to, to see that whether that was also. And I also want to give a shout out uh, to my girl Rachel Sutherland, who's still on board as as a post production producer. So and she's not my girl. I mean, but I just you know admire her brother's work a lot. So oh okay, <laughs> all right, um, all right. So anyway, back to you know establishing new boundaries. Dyson's got a new partner. We are introduced to Tamsin. Right. As as he is boxing with no shirt on and long pants. You know, at least they're not jeans this time. At least they're not jeans. But now, as Dyson said, she's easy on the eyes. 
and the scene when we, you know, and, and look, we knew that this character was coming on board. Uh, you know, so, you know, we knew that Rachel Scarston was going to be playing this character. So, you know, this didn't come as a surprise. It was just a matter of when, not, you know, right. um, but awesome. I mean, the music is pumping, you know, she comes in, wa- you know, walking in. Um, it's a big entrance. Uh, it's yeah. a big entrance. And, uh, you know, he's boxing. She immediately, immediately makes her presence known, uh, you know, 20 bucks if you kill the white guy. Yeah. Um, and they're introduced and obviously the first bombshell is that, well, I don't answer to the ash. I answer to the Morgan. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, your, your kind of buddy cop motif ever since like actually lethal weapon, probably Tony Rath instead of getting, you know, like we were used to the dragnet two guys are basically the same type guy, you right. know, um, one's the more alpha than the other. But Lethal Weapon kind of turned that all around, and now we're gonna you pair up two guys who are complete opposites, and then but they you know then become great buddies, and so pretty much every buddy cop film since has used that same type of you know motif where you have you know the one person who's like the loose cannon and the one person who's a straight man or whatever, or you know Jackie Chan and and Chris uh, Tucker or um, you know whatever you know you think of. Almost any time you have any kind of cop buddy pair up nowadays, especially in the movies, it's going to be two opposites rather than two of the similar people. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what they do with that paradigm. I mean, you know, are they going to go down the route where they do, you know, grow closer together or you know, already she's got ulterior motives, right? And, and he brings that up, you know, next time don't ambush me with what you're real. Right. And then, you know, and we might – also be annoyed along with Dyson for her ambush, but I mean, she's, she's not wrong. She's dead on. Right. About what? About Bo. Yeah. And the crime I mean, she committed. I mean, Bo did it. Well, now when you say Bo did it, I mean, we she see, set off that guy. Yeah. But we see that in her dream, right? I no, mean, no, she's leaving the, there was no dream. She was, she was walking out of the bar. Yeah. But then I thought, doesn't she wake up? She's in bed with Lauren and then she wakes up. Oh yeah. 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 Right. right. So, so, so you know, I, I guess I start to think by the end of the episode. So you're wondering you, whether it actually ever happened. Yeah. At all. Well, that's and that also raises the other question, which because when you when you see this, does Bo honestly not know? Because she acts like obviously she has no idea what Tamsin's talking right. about. Is that true or is that an act? Because if she were guilty. She'd probably act the same way, right? And then, of course, the Dreamweaver, even though she was lying, I guess, says, oh, it's something you ate. Right. Yeah. Which then goes back and we'll talk about, you know, what the Dreamweaver sees, uh, you know, a little later. But Yeah, because I couldn't I, – I tried to go back and pause and everything. I couldn't make out Oh, anything. my gosh. I know, I, 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 how in the world the Dreamweaver – I mean, you read anything in there. It's just like a bunch of – Fabric and then yarn. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I've got mine on pause. I'm standing in front of the screen, turn, you know, tilting my head, trying to figure <laughs> it out. But um, I happened to look up the name Tamsin. I don't know if you, uh, you know, but yeah, it, the it, only time I, I, I've seen the name Tamsin was uh, on um, a coupling, which is oh, it was the the British yeah. Friends was based on this, and actually, right. the head writer for Coupling, you know, who it was no Stephen Moffat, really, yeah. Oh, you know what? I think I did read that. Yeah. 
So okay. in the the last, there's like four seasons. In the last one, like the the one funny character leaves, and a, a new guy comes on who's not quite as funny. Um, and and his ex girlfriend's name was Tamsin. Mm-hmm. That's and I'd never heard the name before, so that's why I guess it sticks yeah, out. Well, but you anyway. know, doing a doing a quick search, you know, one of the things that that uh, you know, obviously, it's commonly a female name. Origins in the Scottish word meaning free spirit, um, and the Aramaic word meaning twin, and that's what got my Whoa. attention. Yeah, that's what got my attention. People with this name may have the traits of being smart, captivating, bold, unafraid to stand up for themselves, quite dramatic, and captivate everyone. And everyone without being over the top or showing off. Well, I'm not sure about being over the top or showing off, but um, well, and we also have our, our friend of the show, Tam, who I was wondering after this, I, ah. I saw this name. Like, I wonder if that's like if that's short for Tam's in. So, Tam, if you're uh, still out there listening, uh, drop us a line. If that's like if that's your real name, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, again, a great introduction to a character that that's going to be I, obviously is going to be huge in the the storyline as we go along and we'll, and we'll come back to her as we talk about this episode. Um, the attempts at a peace between the light and the dark Fae under the new ash, you know, the, that she, you know, drops that, Oh, you know, by the way, we're part of this new peace project. Didn't you read your Faye newsletter? <laughs> no, I yeah. only do the crossword. Yeah, there's a crossword. Yeah. Um, Which so, is funny because, you know, the thing, cause like her react, like at first it seems like a joke, but then I can't remember what she says afterwards, but it's like, so there actually is a crossword. <laughs> like really, um, you know. So so you know. Again, obviously, uh, Hale is bringing something new, you know, to the peace table, and you know we see that in a couple of different instances in this episode. And then you know, still Bo's unaligned stance is cause for some concern. And well, and and whereas before it was an advantage to her, it's it appears as if. It's it's increasingly putting her at a disadvantage because she's got no backup, right? You know, and now that Hale is the the Ash, he can't be there to be her backup, and and you know, so it's... right. And that'll be interesting to see, you know, because they uh, Tamsin brings it up several times. Your former partner, you know, the new Ash, and all of that. When he comes there, it's like I got here as quickly as I could. You know, I mean, how long is he going to come running? when Dyson calls. I mean, how long can he, I mean, and right. still, you know, maintain, you know, the status of the ash. So, you know, that'll be interesting. He, he certainly comes, he's still new in the job. He comes when Dyson calls and lets us know that, you know, his solution to the plan is not what Dyson feared it was going to be, but all right, back to the uh, walking tour. So what we've got here is we've got fade disappearing humans disappearing and that uh, the order has been given to just go down and basically exterminate everybody underground. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is, that's not nice. No. (laughs) Um, I I like the scene when Bo asks Vex if the attack was Faye and he replies that, well, if the acting had been better, perhaps, I mean, for instance, certain, you know, Lawrence Olivier was Faye, and she says, not the performance, Brit Pop, the attack. <laughs> so some great lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, the sign when they're down there, when when Bo and Kenzie go down there, that quarantine sign looked right. really, really old. And then we we later find out that Atticus has been down there, I guess, at least 90 years. 
Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, it's almost like a, I mean, calling to mind like the Holocaust, how they were rounded up and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and put into a, uh, this air forced to move to a, a an unacceptable place, you know, a place uh, other people didn't want to live. So, um, yeah, so certainly overtones, uh, there of, of that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I kind of like, I was almost to a point where like, ah, my, my prediction about her father is coming true because this whole thing, the slender man and, and seeing the vague images in, in the dream weavers carpet, I'm like thinking, all right, this is all I thought, I thought it was, would be more dealing with the, this larger mythology. I thought when they started men- mentioning this slender man who brought them down there, I thought this was all going to somehow tie back into, I, I didn't think it would necessarily be the, the, the larger, the, the, I'm sorry, the plot of, of the particular episode. I thought it was referring to this larger mythology of, of Bo and her father. As it turned out, it was all really mo- pretty much, you know, towards the plot of this one episode. Well, I mean, not, it could be. It, yeah, it could be, but I, I, the, I, don't, I don't really think so. Well, though. when we get to the end, we'll, we'll, we'll bring that up. Um, so Bo and Kenzie go down in the tunnels because they're looking for Ozzy. And, you know, they stumble across, you know, the, again, you know, back to your uh, – uh, Description of, you know, it was very Holocaust-like with the, you know, people living in horrible conditions. And, you know, we find out that, yes, they are diseased, but we also later learn that they weren't diseased when they were sent down there. And, you know, she sees the 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 one dismembered SWAT uh, team member, yeah. you know, with his, you know, I think she says shoe, leg. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you really see that the, you know, the, it, it's detached from the body. But we learn... Again, something critical, I think, about Kenzie in that, you know, she lived down there. I mean, or not down in this one, but right. a place like this. This was like her, her sanctuary she ran away to. And that's how she met Ozzy. Right. And, but it was pretty eye-opening for Bo. And, and, and Bo even says that, that, you know, as bad as she had it uh, and as, you know, many times as she was on the run, she never had to live underground. And then, of course, Kenzie shoots back, well, yeah, if I had the suck you touch, I wouldn't yeah, either. And exactly. she's like, okay, understood. Yeah, if I could make people fall over them by just touching them, right? Yeah, which uh, kind of leads us into, you know, I, I guess kind of the next plot point, which is that they bring Bo in for questioning, except Dyson doesn't really tell her they're bringing her in for questioning. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, and... Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, Dyson didn't realize what Tamsin was on her agenda, though, as well. So. Right, because she immediately brings out the file on the Fay kill. Yeah, which obviously, well, would... he's not a kill because he's in a coma. He's in a coma. Right? But, but yeah, the, the feeding, and it was a dark Fay we find out, and uh, you know, again, I mean, I'm pretty sure that that's not true. I'm pretty sure Bo did. I mean, we saw her at the end of episode one. And she just she just randomly grabbed that guy, fed off him, and right. you know. So you know, my question is then, if that you know isn't the dream, if that did really happen, so is this dark side of her? Is this like a separate personality entirely that she's not even cognizant of? You know, mm-hmm. so she's like this multiple personality where she has bow, normal bow, and then you know, bad girl bow, like right. really like even worse than you know. She sometimes she's a bad girl. She says a really bad girl bow, uh, evil bow. Um, <clears throat> That's like a whole personality that, that isn't even – she's not even conscious of. Yeah, because really, I mean, that was the big thing at the end of season two with the blue glowy eyes and the end – you know, right. so that 
to be honest, I kind of had forgotten about that until you just brought it up just now. But you know, maybe that is what they're uh, what they're doing. But uh, well, anyway, Trick calls in the the Dreamweaver, you know, because that I think you know, again he knows that she's been having bad dreams. Oh, dream. Right, <laughs> Lauren even mentions, you know, I've been here two, you know, spent two nights with you, and both nights you wake up. You know, screaming with bad dreams. Am I? Is it really that hard to commit to me and and all of that? So you know, obviously, the fact that she's been having restless sleep is not unknown. So Trick brings in the Dreamweaver, which again is a pretty funny scene where she's obviously the Dreamweaver. That is, as a thing for Trick. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, while she's supposed to look at Bo's dreams, she only has eyes for Trick at this point. And tricked with that, you know, that hurry, <laughs> right? Know, just right. like that desperate kind of, you know, it's always funny because, it, and, you know, like the the guy who's being pursued by a, a girl, but he doesn't want the girl because, I mean, probably just doesn't really happen ever that much. Right. Well, well, so what ends up in real life, you know, like we've got two procedurals going on. Uh, yes. Right. Which is kind of, you know, which is certainly different and kind of cool. So, because we've got the, you know, the, the still the alligator man and the, you know, the fey, the subterfey, uh, the subterranean fey, as well as then Tamsin's real purpose, which is to, to invest, to nail bow, bow and yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, so we got that going on. So they bring her back to the police station for questioning and then it becomes clear what her real purpose is. You know, they go out and obviously, you know, Bo has no trouble uh, getting out of the police station. Yeah. Uh, not once, but twice. Yeah. And, you know, the second time was, even though this line is probably a bit cliche, um, you know, when Tamsin goes, if I didn't hate Bo so much, I'd start to like her, you know, it's yeah. like, and Dyson says, yeah, she has that effect, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a typical cliche type line, but it, it, it really worked well in, in this episode. I, I liked it. Well, you know, and one of the things the writers did do with Tamsin is they gave her a lot of great lines to introduce her. And, you know, I, I she just seamlessly worked her way into the story. You, you, you'd have thought she's been there for all uh, two seasons, but, Right, and, and, you know, fleshing her out as a character as well and not having her be this one-dimensional, because they could... She was pretty fleshed out when we first met her. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, like, have her, like, with, with some depth and that she's not just, like, a, a nasty, dark fan, because they could easily play that up, where she's just a villainess, right. right? But we kind of, like, you know... Like, and so far, but that's but what she is. her point. Well, not really, I don't think, because, okay. like I said... You know, she's on the right track with Bo. It's not she's not making this up. I mean, Bo fed off that guy. That guy's in the coma because of Bo. You know? But she is working with Dyson at whose behest? At the behest of the Morgan. Right. And the so, Morgan and Bo are, you know, they still have some They do have issues. Uh, yeah. Some unfinished but, I mean, business. You know, that's like you know, a guy turns up, he's I been smell fed a set, on. I smell a setup. It does quite possibly. Okay. Possibly. Well, <laughs> one of the funny lines though that, that I did want to just mention, you know, that when Dyson and Tamsin are at the scene, uh, you know, down underground at the walking tour, and uh, Dyson tells Tamsin that he's been around long enough to know not to trust someone from her team. You mean Dark Fay or women? 
That was a good line. Yeah, yeah and, and she just has. Just, I, you know, I I I was hoping after she said that that he would go both. Yeah, yeah, because it'd be perfect. Because yeah, it, it would make sense. And again, her delivery is just you know if she really has good timing. And uh, again, I, I just love her as a character. Yeah, and, and we've said before how they've tried to insert you know other characters in, uh, you know, especially um, I forgot his name. Nate, <laughs> Nate, uh, and well, uh, even Ryan, and and Ryan, yeah, because well, they never, they never really tried to insert him into the fabric of the team, right? You know, true. Like he was always just kind of like this side story, but um, I guess the same is for uh, um, Naomi. Was who was her? Oh dear, no. Who, who are we talking about? Uh, uh, the the girl who was possessed by the Garuda. Oh my god, it was just like a couple of weeks ago we were talking about this. Nadia, Nadia, right? Um, where you know it's we, we see them kind of not that these these characters that are never really able to kind of um well because they they aren't part of it. I guess that's the thing they aren't part of the world they're outside of the world and so they never become part of the inner circle and so they it's d- difficult for us to kind of accept them uh whereas now I mean Tamsin what she does have going for is because she is Faye that she's you know part of the can be part of that inner uh world and everything right and and we've already seen bow with somebody from the dark fae where obviously when her relationship with ryan lambert so now you could argue well she's not light fae so doesn't count you know it's just the fact that she hangs out she chooses to align herself with the light fae even though she hasn't committed to them right um well what about the alligator man what about atticus i mean first of all what about the name atticus i mean obviously well, especially coupled with the the southern accent, you can't help but think of Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird, um, and that's uh, you know, out of the number of books I've read, um, is there a more humane character in, in the novel literature than, than Atticus Finch? You'd be you'd be hard pressed to find one, someone who is um, understanding of all humanity. And I think they do a, a kind of a good job of of bringing that sense of humanity to. Uh, this character as well, a character who's undergone undergone like you know terrible loss, but is still not a bitter. Yeah, because he says I wa- you know I wanted revenge, but th- that you know it just wasn't him. Yeah, he didn't have revenge in him. Um, you know, he is an honorable character. He comes across as an honorable character. I mean, one of the first things you know uh, he, he talks about manners. You know, when your host is pontificating, yeah, right. Uh, so you know, like you say, he, lo- he lost his child, his his wife, and for what? Because they wanted to get all of the. Well, we know why eventually. Yeah, it was a land know, grab, right? But we also learned that you know, there, again, there it was a land grab uh, for his ocean view yeah. uh, home, but it was also just to have a oh, confined well, right and to get rid of the 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 fate that didn't fit, you know, right? Like the ones that like the other misfit toys, kind of. Um, now we, we cut right after that we meet him back to Vex eating cereal in Bo's kimono. And, uh, again, he really likes that kimono. He doesn't, he had it all too. Yeah, it all too, um, right. I like but, that. <laughs> but, you know, again, the scene where, uh, he's sitting there eating cereal, looking at Bo and Kenzie snuggling together asleep in her bed. And then they both wake up and, you know. He yeah. certainly making the you know sexual oh, yeah, right, right. innuendos that uh, you know you you know you finally got together with your bestie, <laughs> and 
you know, they, of course, then, you know, bow pieces together what actually happened was because then you go, you remember he asks them, do you, you know, can you girl, uh, ladies find your way out? And Bo says no. And he says good because he doesn't, obviously they don't want to be found. So right. he gasses them and obviously takes them and back takes to, them you know, back. which we just reinforces the fact that he is a good honorable. Sure. That's a character that I hope we see more often in the, in the future. I don't know if we will, but uh, I really liked Atticus. So I hope we, uh, we see more of him. All right now, what about Ozzy? Same thing happened to him. So, do we assume Atticus found him down there? Uh, knew that yeah, Bo and Kenzie this were is looking. Kind of weird because then he just he's just kind of like back, right? But you know? like, hey, I'm back. And he can't remember. Yeah, but you're right. Just like the same thing. You can't remember because there'd no there'd be no reason but, to. But think he was that. in the. He was he was locked up though. He wasn't down in the sewers, right? He was locked well, he up in the big, in the in the the, the crate. Yeah, but he wasn't with the group of girls that, you know, when Bo and Kenzie went there. Right? I mean, we would have seen that. So I, I can only assume that he must have been, you know, underground in, in the tunnel yeah. and that, that, I mean, that's the only thing. And again, that's not, in the big scope of things, that's not all that important anyway. Um, but yeah, but, it was weird. He just, yeah, I think the fact that he just shows up, I mean, hopefully that's something to come back to because otherwise. Well, well, of- then they take him to the doll to, you know, have the weaver right. look at his, no, please, no, not this time, yeah. to, to the weaver. And <laughs> well, afraid, if you just I'm say the weaver, it'll be word. all right. Okay, if you I'll, say just both don't, words don't, together, then, then uh, that makes then, me then we're good. Uh, so they take him to the doll, and again, Trick, I'm not sure how I feel about having an unclaimed human while I have 60 ogres upstairs for a rugby reunion. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then, again, it's one of those things where the... Weaver says that, you know, she doesn't work on humans and he gets up, uh, you know, I can hear you. And, and basically right. what are you doing? He says, hey, just sit down. There's no place like home or whatever, Kenzie. I think that's yeah. what the, uh, yeah, that's, what she yeah. tells him to think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we don't really learn. I mean, we don't really learn anything from. No, well, it's just that uh, the, he, his dream takes him to the shipyard. Right. That trick. Oh right, right, right. That's no, we says, do oh, learn that, that right. priest uh, was in St. Thomas. It's like really. Right. I went back and I'm like, how do you? Get, I still. I, I must rewatch that three times. I didn't see a priest there. Right, but it was a good catch that Bo figures out that the numbers were inverted because she was right. seeing the mirrored image. Yes, um, which was pretty cool. Um, and then we're back to, uh, you know, Tamsin again. I was beginning to think I wasn't going to kick get to kick your cute little ass. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, relax, bitch. I brought gifts, <laughs> and then she brings in all the humans who'd been taken after she and Kenzie find them in the shipping container. Uh, she escapes again. All right. So anyway, we see Hale come in, and I think we need a proper investigation of the subterranean Fay. And you know, this is at the point where Dyson realizes that there's more here than meets the eye, and 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 Hale tells him that he's going to relocate them, and at first. You know, then, then when Dyson hears that, he then runs out. And, you know, the first time I watched it, I thought, oh, he doesn't believe Hale. Mm-hmm. And then the third time I watched it, you know, I think it's like a, it's, it's a sense of relief, you know, that he really is 
you know, relieved that that Hale does have good intentions. That he is okay. Yeah, they, they still got the butt heads with him, right? Well, and, and like so they much. okay, fine. They do need it to put in a subway line. Uh, true, but that you know, Hale is trying, just as he said a few episodes back, when it looked like you know he would eventually be in line to head the Santiago family. That that he wanted to take the you know the family into a new direction, which seems to be what he's doing as uh, leader of the Light Fay at this point. Yeah, and but I, ultimately, I'm still going to stand by my uh, previous prediction that uh, you know that he's <clears throat> gonna his, his role as as uh, Ash is going to come in conflict with um, you know what his friends are trying to get done, and so he's going to be kind of on his own in a lonely position of leadership. Well, isn't that the way it always is? All right, now. We finally learn, really, you know, everything starts to come together. Bo and Kenzie are down in the tunnels. They're seduced through by the music, and, and we see the man in black uh, with his little, I, I kept calling them rubber arms in my notes, he asks them to show him the secret way in, which they do. And, uh, you know, it turns out that it's the city manager, Robert Hamlin, who's, uh, you know, at first I guess I thought he was the police captain, but. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, right. they, yeah, they say he's a city manager. Right. I'm like, so what is he doing? Well, the other thing we learned, though, is that the Fae have uh, integrated into a lot of human society, particularly, uh, I think it was the 59th precinct, whatever the, the precinct that, that Dyson works out of, that they've really integrated and, and taken over a lot of positions of power in a lot of different areas. Yeah, but I, I think we've, we've seen that uh, before. Oh, I mean, I, I guess it's just been hinted at before, but certainly with the Morrigan, uh, we really saw how, you know, like the interacting with humans and everything there um, and being in normal, you know, having like a normal day job, whatever, in the in the human world as, as well as being a fae, so. All right, well, you know, so we learn, you know, he goes through the whole thing about, you know, you've known me by many names, Slender Man, and then the whole idea of the Pied Piper, which... Thought, oh, that's very cool, you know. Um, but what I thought was coolest was the way that scene ended up uh, transpiring, which is that Dyson says he's going to take Hamlin in, but Bo says, "No, no, no. I think he and Atticus need to talk." And Atticus says, "Close the door on your." I don't know if he says actually on your way out, but he says, "Close the door," which. You know what that means. Right. Bo grabs a sledgehammer, and I'm probably reading more into this than I should. But Dyson tells her to go for it, babe. <laughs> Just that word of endearment that yeah. you know he's still. And of course, yeah. even Tamsin brings that up. It's like, are you in love with her? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he is. You he know, is he right, is. of course. He so is, uh, anyway, she knocks down and, and you know lets everything and cave collapses, in. Right, caves in. And then we see that. Uh, Atticus does exact, you know, I don't think it's revenge, it's justice. Well, or he gets it, the both, he gets it, the best of both worlds. Yeah, we, there's, you know, a number of, uh, of, of science fiction and mythological and just basically any type of dramas have dealt with that exact same question. Uh, between revenge, I was just watching actually the uh, Amazing Spider Man last night, and that, that exact same question kind of pops up there um and in batman as well so this is a well-worn theme in the world of sci-fi fantasy well so we've got one procedural taken care of tamsin will not let go of the fact that 
Bo allegedly fed off a dark fay, and apparently we also learned that it's the cause for the death penalty yep. in the uh, fay community. When she goes down for feeding off of one of mine, then we'll be cool, she tells Dyson. And you know, then we get to the closing scene, which you know you alluded to a few minutes ago. Um, back at Bo's, uh, no, I guess actually they're at the doll, right? They're at the, do- yeah, right, so right. the doll, yeah. So Bo's with the Dreamweaver, and again, like you just said, we, oh, we both just said it was really difficult. Can't see so, anything. Well, yes and no. So the the number one, the the, the Weavers freaked out, yeah, with what she sees, uh, and then you know Bo's last line: "Why are all people always lying to me?" So what did she see? Now, at first, I mean, it was like it looked like some kind of demonic man devouring like flesh or something. I mean, it is what I saw and heard. I mean, I, 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 I you didn't even get that I much. I couldn't tell. I well, just, I was just like, forget. I, I can't. I was just. Well, I must have watched it. I don't know four or five times. Well, so that's what I saw. But then, the face sort of resembled Bose. Yeah, I think I did see something that if I stretched it a little bit, say, well, maybe that kind of looks like Bo, but yeah, there's definitely. Well, and so then I'm thinking like, okay, Incubus, father, brother. Yeah. I mean, then I'm going back to Tamsin and the whole idea, the concept of the twin. Now, granted, that's in relation to her character. And then I'm starting to think, oh, is Tamsin going to turn out to be her sister? Oh. So, I don't know. Or her half-sister or her, you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Put it, put it in the uh, predictions. Yeah, well, um, I've, well, I've got another prediction, although it's a pretty lightweight prediction. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, again, and, and it would be great. It'll be interesting to see if anybody has any screen caps up on the internet in the next day or two that, I mean, I, again, I don't know how it could be any more... I mean, is there anything higher res than 1080p that's out there in the? Uh, oh, no. It's just you just uh, you just with the whole the 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 you know the fabric and the weaving. You just I couldn't see. Yeah, I, just, I was just like whatever. I'll just oh wait, I'll, I'll I didn't wait. take my. I've got this big magnifying reading thing that my grandmother had <laughs> that uh, I should have All taken right. that downstairs to the. Uh, well, anyway, give it a go. So a lot to, uh, you know, a lot to take us into episode three for sure. I mean, you know, what's going to happen? Well, heck, the scene, you know, one of the scenes we didn't even talk about was back in the boxing ring when Tamsin and Dyson are going at it and she punches them in the, you know, does that blood taste good? Right. Do I taste good? (sighs) Yes. But I still don't want a partner. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I. Whether the two of them look, I mean, obviously, it looks like if everything goes according to the buddy cop, you know, that they'll probably hook up. Yeah, I think they're, they're but it would be I, cool if they don't, right? Exactly. I think they can, you know, have that at least for this season. They can, you know, Sam and Diane this for a little bit before yeah. they actually, but uh, yeah, but I, I think what's going to happen is they're going to end up you know, getting together like that, then that's going to cause more friction between him and Bo and everything. And just this whole thing. That's, that's kind of what I I think might, uh, might happen here, but, uh, but it certainly leaves a lot of possibilities open. She's a, a definitely has already shown herself to be a pretty fascinating character. So good, good addition there. Writing staff, 
good, great acting job there, Rachel. And uh, let's, you know, All right. it's interesting to see where we'll go from here. Okay. Um, now's the time where we talk about our predictions. So you want to go first? I just I don't have any new ones, really. Okay, well, well, Except got... for, well, one thing. I don't even know if I want to put this out there yet. So I'm, I'm going to put this as a half-hearted prediction that I think that this might be Lauren's last season. I think Lauren's going to die this season. Oh. I, I'm not, I can't, like, I got to I think I have to just go back and watch this episode again. There was something in there that was like, oh, you know, oh, man, like, it's just kind of playing it like. Well, you know, I mean, I think one thing that that did come up in the sex scene is that, you know, the whole idea of, you know, that that they're going at it pretty hard. Yeah. For a fairly long time, or so it would seem, you know, and the whole idea, she keeps bringing up the whole, you know, I need liquids, I need yeah. sports drinks, I need this, and she's not, you know, so she knocks the glass off at one point. So, you know, maybe it'll be one of those things where it's just, Bo is just literally physically too much for her to handle. Yeah. So, yeah, all right, not bad. So maybe I could, maybe, yeah, I'll, just, I'll leave it at, at that. All right, well, my prediction deals with Bo and Lauren as well, and that uh, I think they're what's going to break them up is when Dyson makes a play for Bo in that I think Dyson's going to, you know, be a little put off by their relationship and the way, you know, how strong it's going because clearly he still is in love with her and he's going to make a play and that's what's going to break the two of them up. So. Could be. That's a good one. I can see that. All right. Um, and now for. Really? Really? <laughs> All right, so I just I just have uh, one this time, uh, and it just has to do with uh, you, you, we kind of mentioned before that uh, Dyson once again working out now in public though in uh, in the long pants with no shirt and and now even then the, the pants are like pulled down to the hips, so just you know barely over his pubes, you know, and everything. So it's just like you know, Dyson, it's it's you're there the box, not. To wear your yoga pants is like a fashion plate or whatever, man. Like so, that was my really okay. Well, mine. Did Tamsin really say there's more to life than that unaligned coos? <laughs> really? She, really? Did she say? Yes, she did say that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, she did get a lot of good lines, and and you know, in the big scope of thing, that was a pretty funny line. But uh, really. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. Anyway, I, well, I think we, you know, if we were giving out, you know, ratings uh, on a scale of ten, I think, you know, personally for me, I, I think this is up at least at a nine. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd give it like an eight point eight, maybe, but uh, yeah, high eight, uh, low nine could probably be talked into. This is a good episode. Yeah, and I, you know, plus how it, it's a jumping off point for a lot of you know stuff later. So it's cool. All right. Well, what the plan is for next time. Uh, assuming the stars align correctly, is that we're going to have Danielle on with us, and we're finally going to get to take a look at the Being Human UK pilot episode, uh, which I did see uh, a couple days ago. I know you haven't seen it. I believe Danielle watched the whole series. Yeah, if, she, if, yeah, she's currently watching it still. Right, so that's going to be the plan uh, for our next episode of Fadeless, and so hopefully that'll... Uh, Come to pass. We'd love to hear from you. You can drop us a line at fadelesspodcast at gmail.com or you can go to the website, fadeless.podbean.com. We've got the big 
tab on the right-hand side. You can leave us a voicemail. And as always, you can get the podcast through iTunes. And you can now now, get Stitcher if you're smartphone uh, literate, which I am not. And what were you going to say? I was also saying we are now also on Facebook. Oh, we are on Facebook. Yes. Uh, So uh, like us on Facebook. Come and uh, leave your comments. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, a future episode, if we get enough people on there, we can, uh, you know, I'll hang out there during uh, during a view of the, the, the sci-fi airing of, uh, you know, episodes maybe three or four, and we can uh, have a chat while we're... And if our damned employer more. didn't have Facebook completely blocked, we could do it at work. Yeah, but uh, but uh, what are you going to do? All right. Until next time. Well, I said this last week, and I didn't know, but I'm going to say it again because it really fits in with this one. Later, Gator.